Wow. Well, I thank you, and thank you, Lord, for both of those songs. And your heart's desire should be today as, as well as every day to just be overcome by his presence. And I just pray today that, that not only today, but in the days of the future, be a lot more about Jesus and a lot less about you and me. Yeah, oh, folks, that's, what, that's what's going to change your life. That's what will change my life. That's going to change our world's life. When it's much more, or it's all about Jesus, and less about us. And just pray that God would, would show up. And I want to ask you, if you would, today, to take your Bibles and, and turn to John, the fourth chapter. Gosh, we've been all around this for the last few weeks, and, um, and we're, going to be, we're going to be looking at a subject matter today uh, about a young lady, and I would say that, you know, she was down, but we found out she wasn't out. And, um, folks, there's all, we're all going to find out times in our lives that, wow, that seems like the, the, the world has us down. Matter of fact, it seems to have its foot on our throat at times. But, folks, let me tell you, as long as there's Jesus, you're never out. And I, I just pray that, that, that you can grab hold of that hope today. And, and I pray that not only for you to grab hold of that hope, but also for the church to realize that there's a lot of folk out there that Christ has called you and me to go and, and to minister to such, of, uh, to such as those. Today we're going to be studying about a, a woman, and, and, and sometimes she's referred to as a Samaritan woman, sometimes she's referred to as a woman at the well. But um, there's just so much more to see into this, and I, I'll be frank with you as I've studied, I've just I've just wanted to stop and, and meditate. I just took some notes without any, just, just wanted to spend a lot of time in prayer, even this morning, kind of seeing how Jesus handled situations. And I think that if, if, if God has called us to go and to make disciples, and if he has called us to, to be his servants, then, then we need to, to watch him. Folks, we can, we can put together all the best programs and man-made things to, to, to reach people, but if Jesus is not in it, it's not going to happen. So let's just find him. And, um, you know, Jesus came and he, he lived his life in a very simple way because he realized he was walking amongst a bunch of simple people, and the Bible says the crowds gathered to him. And I think if I look around this, this crowd this morning, this is a pretty simple bunch around here. And, we, and I say that in a very pleasant way. Because that's whom Jesus came. And let's all stand together as we, we, we look at John, the fourth chapter. And we'll start at verse 1. I'm going to read on down and, and give you the, the idea. And then we're going to come back and we're going to, to begin to, to study. This is part of a series called The Fields Are White. We'll find in, at, at the very end of this story is where Jesus Christ um, came. The, the apostles, after Jesus had met with this woman... And she had left to go tell her friends about her encounter with Jesus Christ. The, the apostles came back and brought him something to eat. And Jesus said, I'm not hungry. Why aren't you hungry? They said, he says, because my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And, um, and then he said, once you look up, he says, the fields are already wide into harvest. And, and, and that's what we want to stop and look at today. That We want to look at another one of the fields that Jesus Christ is speaking about. We find in, in chapter 4 the First uh, verse, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea, which is in the southern part of, of, of Israel, 
and departed into Galilee, which is at the northern part of Israel. And he must needs and he, and he must needs go through Samaria, which was right north of Judea. Then cometh he into a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat or food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast thou the living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Man, that's good news, isn't it? But the water that I shall give to him shall be unto him like a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, and neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, have well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou hast now hast is not thy husband. And in that you said it truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon, the ne- and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man asked, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come and Come see a man which has told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out into the city and came unto him. And as they came, Jesus says, look, the fields are white already in the harvest. Now, Father, I pray that you'd take these words, you'd bless our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. I pray that you'd just fill this place. And God, that you would just that you would change God's lives. You, you know where every, every, each one of us are today. You know our needs. Meet with us. Oh, that Christ may be glorified, that Jesus might be lifted up in Christ's name. 
Amen. And amen. And Jesus said the fields are white already in the harvest. We don't need to wait four months. They're, they're ready even now. Last week, we looked at Nicodemus. We looked at one who was a very religious man. We'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. And, and right within the church, right within the religious sector, where Jesus also said there's a field there, that there's people who are very religious. There's people that, that are very churchy. There's people that, that know the Scripture. But yet even the, they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, such as Nicodemus. We looked at that field. Today we're going to be looking at an entirely different field. And as I stop and I ponder and I think about this, I, I think about when I first came to Rayford Road Church, we met in the other building. And, and one thing that has blessed my heart so much about Rayford Road Church is the love that, that, that was at Rayford Road Church, but also the diversity of the body. We had so many people from so many different backgrounds here, which is just a beautiful, beautiful sight. But, but right near the very front, as a matter of fact, maybe on the first row or the first, second row, or if I'm, fa- um, I'm facing the pastor on the right-hand side, would be a group of people that obviously they had come from some very difficult times. Mike, you remember that group? You could tell that they'd, they'd come out of some troubled life. They'd come out of some addiction and some, maybe some poor decisions that they'd made in, in, in their lives. But now they'd just come seeking Jesus. Mike Combs had really administered them as he was a detective at the Baker County Sheriff's Department and and Mike, I thank God for him. And, and what a story that, folks, no matter where God has you, you're a missionary. Matter, it matters not whether you're a detective at the Baker County Sheriff's Department, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a, a mom that's ministering to your children, wherever you are, God has placed you. You're a missionary to carry on God's work. Mike had just had an opportunity to minister to this group, and, and um, many times he would uh, uh, arrest them and then and tell them about Jesus all in the same time. You know, literally, he had a, a captive audience. But the, but the truth is that once they left, maybe their jail sentence, they came back because they knew there was somebody, there was a brother there who loved them. And Mike and Sue loved on them. A Sunday school class was started later through that. And, but it was through this particular, particular time that I used to go visiting on, on Tuesday nights and and, and Mike and me began to visit together. And we would go back and we would, we would make visits and soul win and, and, and some that, that Mike had worked with. And, and Mike actually began to take me into areas of the county that I've never been to before. So I'm not very far from here. Now, I remember being able to go in and knocking in. Both of these were, were, were just, some of them were run down mobile homes. And... and um, you know, we'd sit there, and, and people were passing through, and, and I remember sitting there one night, and, and we were sitting there talking to, to one lady and another man, and a, another guy walked in the door. He saw Mike, and he kind of, kind of uh, you know, didn't know whether to step back out or not. Mike says, well, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm on another business tonight, you know, and so um, to make him feel comfortable, it's good to come in. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me so strongly during that time that there's a whole world of people that the church doesn't even know about. There's a whole world of people, and that number is very large, that are down for whatever reason, maybe their own bad choices or maybe the choices of others. But the church does not even know 
about these communities. A field that is literally white under harvest. Because many times we choose to either not see or we, we, we do not know because of ignorance or we choose to, to go around those neighborhoods. Folks, I want to equate that with Samaria today. Because today we're going to be looking at the field of, of, of Samaria that was really a field that the, the Jewish people, the one whom Jesus came to, to be the, the, the priest of God, didn't even want to admit existed. But Jesus was not afraid of that field. See, Jesus has not called us just to go into the fields that feel very comfortable to us. He said to go into the fields, the fields are wide in the harvest. And today we're going to be looking how he walked right through the middle of this field called Samaria. We find that when, when Jesus Christ, uh, he, he left Judea to go into Galilee, that, that um, if he just took a straight line, it would take him right through this place of Samaria. But that was not the way that the Jews normally went. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They were not the right color. They did not worship like they did. They, they, they were considered immoral people, even, even used words such as dogs to describe them. And so for the Jews to, to make sure that they did not um, have contact with these people, they would go around them. It'd be kind of like me if I, if I wanted to go to Waycross, Georgia, and they needed to go to Waycross, Georgia, and the best way to go is up 121 and then, you know, and, and, and then jump over on, on one and just go right on in. But, but you know what? But, but suppose, suppose I hated the people of Folkestone, Georgia. And I'm not saying anything. I'm just using this as illustration now. <laughs> I like Folkestone, as a matter of fact. Great restaurant, great restaurant. But I'm just using this as illustration. The straightest shot to Waycross would go through Folkestone. But, but say something that was, you know, that I, there was just something that, that, that made me just cringe to think about Folkestone and, and that part. And so instead of, you know, I'll, I'll drive all the way to Lake City, 30 miles, and then, you know, all, all the way up, then 41, and just loop all the way around. And, and even though it might take me that much longer, I wouldn't have to go through Folkestone. You think, how crazy is that? Folks, that was the practice of the Jewish people. They would take the long way around so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. So Jesus was leaving Judea. He was going up to Galilee. If he was going to take the, 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 the regular route, he would, he, 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 he would go the long way around. He would cross over Jordan and go on the eastern side of Jordan and cut back in. But the Bible teaches us, as, as we follow this, that when Jesus knew there was a little bit of distraction going on, and Jesus was not wanting to deal with that distraction at that particular time. In verse 3 it says, And he left Judea and departed into Galilee. He was going up north. But the Bible says in verse 4, But he must needs go through Samaria. And so Jesus took the route that was the road less taken because he knew that he needed to go. And I'm sure it was against the, the wishes of his, his apostles. It was the wishes of those others that were traveling then. But, but in Jesus Christ, he, he knew that he needed to go through Samaria. 
And so the first thing that we find here in, in, in the life of Jesus Christ was Jesus was always sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When, when the Bible says that, that he needed to go through, to, through Samaria, why did he need to do that? Uh, did he just have an urge? No, I, I believe there was, a, there, was a, there, was a, there was a Holy Spirit that dwelt within him that directed him on his path. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to lead us and, and direct us in the ways that we should go. And that was the desire of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he lived his life sensitive to the, the desires of his heavenly Father. He said in John, the fifth chapter, verse 30, he says, I can, I can of myself do nothing. Isn't that amazing a thing for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to say that where Jesus, God incarnate, the Son of God, Son of Man, said, I of myself can do nothing. Man, if Jesus can say that, what does that speak to you and me? But when Jesus was on this earth, he was a man just like you and me, but he was a, a man that was full of the Spirit. He had a will just like you and me, but he had submitted his will to the, the leadership of the, heavenly, um, of, of the Holy Spirit to follow the Father. But he says, I can do nothing to myself. I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And Jesus says, all I want to do is what my Father would have me to do. And I believe as Jesus left Judea, the Father through the Holy Spirit spoke to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to go this way. And we find throughout the life of Jesus, he was obedient to the Spirit. And in Matthew, the fourth chapter, we find that it was, Jesus, that it was the Holy Spirit that, that led Jesus. And in verse 1, it says, the, the, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus was obedient even when the Holy Spirit led him into troubled times. But if this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to go, this is where I'll go. And folks, we could stop and we could just sit here and we could just take that, that idea that, that Jesus must needs go through Samaria and we could, we could camp out for a month about following the will of the Father. How our lives would change, how our lives would be transformed if you and me would just, would just take on that idea where Jesus says, I, I myself can do nothing. What I need is the Father to just show me where I need to go how that would lead us out of so many heartache and so many headache and, and allow us to do things that, that we could have never imagined. And obviously, Jesus Christ, again, had been led, as, as the Word says, he must needs. That, that in Jesus' mind, there wasn't even question about going the long way around because if, if, if the Holy Spirit has spoken through his heart to go through Samaria, then he needed to go through Samaria. When God speaks to us, dear friends, he doesn't suggest to us, he tells us. And either we're going to be obedient within our walk or we're going to be disobedient within our walk. And obviously when apparently Jesus felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to go, there wasn't any other question. He needed to go through Samaria. See, and so that's where so many of us today, we need to stop and instead we need to pray about something or we need to, you know, we need to think about it. There's some of you that you know good and well the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart in a certain area of your life. And it's not really a question of do I or do I not. You just need to do it. And your life would be transformed. 
But let me move on. We'll, we'll never get. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Folks, God doesn't have to give us all the answers when he tells us to do something. We just follow him in obedience. And I believe that's what Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, had done at this time. The, the Holy Spirit said, go through Samaria. So, okay, I'm going through Samaria. And so Jesus went up through Samaria. Well, I like this. In verse 5, it says, Then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the, the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son. And Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, and thus, on the, and thus sat thus at the well, and it was about the sixth hour. You may want to mark down, you may want to underline, you may want to highlight where it says Jesus was wearied within his journey. This, this, this reveals the humanity of Jesus Christ. Folks, he was tired and he was thirsty. Jesus wore out just like you and me wore out. His body was tired. There's, I'm thirsty. There's times with his emotions that, you know, his, his emotions were tired. And, and Jesus needed to just sit down every now and then. And we all need to do that. We all need to stop and we need to take a rest at some time. But the interesting thing is, as Jesus sat down, he was wearied. And about that time, we find that a woman came up to the well. And what was Jesus going to do in that situation? You know, I put myself in the situation when I'm, you know, I'm tired. I've had a long day. Now I just want to sit down. I want to get me a, a, a glass of sweet tea. I want, I want to sit back in my recliner and, and, and you know, as we say, I just want to chill. Yeah, I just, I, I just want to, to put my, throw my, my recliner up. I want to stretch out my legs. And, man, I don't want to hear anyone. But then the phone call rings. And then I ask myself, do I answer it? Or do I not? You ever been there? Hey, you, you want a little time? Folks, Jesus wanted a little time too. Jesus got tired like I did. As a matter of fact, we find in, in Matthew, the, the 14th chapter, that, that when Jesus Christ had heard that, that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, that, you could, that Jesus' spirit was was stirred. And you know what Jesus did? He went up into the mountain to be alone. He just wanted to stop and think about and mourn that his cousin had gotten killed. And he understand who, who John the Baptist was and the, and the greatness of John the Baptist when he heard about the murder of, of, or the execution of John the Baptist. Matthew tells us that Jesus went up into the mountain to be alone. But the problem is, is Jesus couldn't get away from the people because when Jesus went up in the mountain, the people went up in the mountain with Jesus. And don't you think that, 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 that if that about have been me instead of them, I'd have thought, time out, can't y'all give me a break? As a matter of fact, that's what his disciples said when the disciples said, Jesus, send them on home. We don't have enough food around here. Send them on home. I mean, the disciples had had enough too. But Jesus looked across them, as tired as he was, as heartbroken as he was, and as emotionally spilled as he was, he saw him as sheep that didn't have a shepherd. And he told his disciples, you go get him something to eat. 
You see what I, I see in this particular passage when it speaks about Jesus Christ. It teaches me that Jesus never took time off from doing the Father's work. As tired as he become, when that woman walked up, Jesus was ready to minister to her. Matter of fact, I think it was so interesting as I was sitting, I was meditating this, I was also just reading some blogs and reading some things um, last night, and I put up an old article that I hadn't read yet. It's kind of been sitting under my computer. I hadn't read it. says, um, in the name of this, this article, and it's actually written to pastors, the name of this article is, Remember This When You're Tired of People. <clears throat> and, and he was spot on. You know, there's sometimes you're just tired and you want to be along and you don't want to answer another phone call. You don't want to make another visit. You, you know, you don't want to have to deal with another catastrophe. You need to just, just, just walk away. Hey, give me a break. And, you know, we can give our, ourselves all of these excuses. But, folks, we're, we're never finished doing God's work. And, and um, this, this writer goes on, remember, first of all, these, you know, if, if, if that kid shows up at your doorstep, remember, that's somebody's child. You know, or if a parent shows up, if you're, you know, and, and, and a couple that's, that's, that's going through issues shows, shows up, on, you know, or, or they call you, that, that's somebody's mom and daddy. And most of all, they're a creation of God who Christ died for. And I, I just think, that, boy, that, that really just began to, to rock me and make me think and that, you know, that, that, that friends, that, that ministry can be tiring. But there's never a time that you stop doing God's work. And there's times when we have to pick ourselves up and just do what's right. Our rest is when Jesus comes again. Amen? Can you imagine that? We just need to work till Jesus comes. And I think Jesus is this perfect example right here that the Bible says very, very well as a man, he was wearied and, and he'd sat down. He just wanted something to drink. He wanted to rest his body. Maybe he just again wanted to chill. Get, you know, man, I got them disciples off looking for something to eat and I don't even have to listen to them right now. But here this woman showed up and Jesus met with her needs. And what we find out also about this, when, when, when this began to, to lay out, the next thing that we find was that Jesus is not a respecter of persons. Because the Bible continues on, and, and, and it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Look here, Jesus is the one that is, is opening up the conversation. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat, and, and then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Jews hate the Samaritans. And I think it's very, very interesting that this woman was amazed that Jesus would even be speaking to her. And I tell you, that's not a very good lot for the Jews. Because the Samaritans had been so shunned by the, by the Jews and so looked down upon the, by the Jews that when Jesus began to speak to this woman, she was amazed that this Jew would even speak to her. Again, that's not good testimony. 
Brothers and sisters, it's not good testimony of you and me that if we live our lives that where we're judging and, and having respect for people and prejudice towards people that when we, when we do step out to do some work, they're amazed that we're even there to help them. Because we should be known by the love of Christ rather than how a person looks or talks or smells. And so Jesus was not a, a respecter of persons. And this woman was amazed. How is it that you, a Jew, I mean, she identified Jesus as a Jew. How is it that you, a Jew, would speak to me, a woman, first of all, a woman from Samaria? I think one of the things that just a few weeks ago as I was reading this passage and it, it was time, I was thinking back in the last encounter that Jesus had was Nicodemus, just the contrast. That when Jesus came, he came for all people. He came to the up and outs and came for the down and outs. He came for people to regardless of their nationality, regardless of their race. He came for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, didn't, he just didn't love you know, a few. He, he loved the world. And what we see is a huge, tra- uh, as we studied last week about Nicodemus, look at the differences between these two people that Jesus was just as interested in. Nicodemus was, first of all, a man. This was a woman. And women, you have to understand the greatest liberator of women of all time was Jesus Christ. Don't let the feminists tell you any other th- way. During the times and biblical times and even in the world today, when women were the most bound in male-dominated societies, is apart from Christ. We see that all over the world today. It was Jesus Christ who came and, and realized there's, there's not a difference as we, we hear from Paul that, that's speaking through the leading of the Holy There's no difference between man and woman. Christ sees us on equal grounds. Aren't you glad about that? So first of all, last week or last time we studied that Jesus talked to a man named Nicodemus. Now he's talking to a woman. So, hey, Jesus is not a respecter person. Nicodemus was a Jew. This woman was a Samaritan. The Jews hated Samaritans as a whole. They were mixed breed. They had their theology all mixed up. They, they were known to be as an immoral people. The Jews, again, hated them so bad they didn't even walk through Samaria. They'd go around. If they did walk through Samaria, they, 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 when, they, when they left Samaria, they would, and this is where the old saying, they'd shake the dust off their, their club because they, the, they didn't want the dust of Samaria to stay on them as they went into their own houses. Didn't matter to Jesus, did it? He was a Jew, she was a woman. Nicodemus was a very moral man, we, him being a Pharisee, and, and, and probably as, as we looked and studied last week, that you know, as morality goes, he's a very moral man. This woman, as we find out, was a very immoral woman. Hmm. Nicodemus was very prominent within his society. This woman was an outcast within her own society. I think that one of the clues we have at that is that she's coming to the well during the middle of the day. 
Normally it was late in the evenings when the women would come to the well. This woman come, maybe because she didn't want to have the sneers of her own people. You know, not only were Samaritans looked down on, she was looked down on probably in her own people. So she was, she was not only down with the Samaritans, she, 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 she was a down of the downers. They didn't even think much about her. Didn't bother Jesus. Nicodemus's life was put together. I mean, man, he, I mean, he had it all together. This woman's life was an absolute mess. He was an up and out. She was a down and out. Nicodemus was a man that was very knowledgeable in Scripture. He was a teacher. He was the teacher of the Jews. This woman was all mixed up in her theology. Nicodemus, I think it's interesting, came seeking Jesus. This woman, Jesus came seeking her. So what you see here with Jesus Christ, it should be a model for us. Jesus felt just as comfortable ministering to the Nicodemuses of the world as he did the Samaritan woman. Didn't matter how moral or immoral. Folks, it doesn't matter. The main thing Jesus wants to know, do you know me? Do you know me? doesn't matter whether you're up and out or you're down and out. You're still out if you don't know Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I think that needs to really, really stop and resonate within our souls. I think sometimes within the church and as individuals, it's, there's just some people it's hard for us to deal with. We don't want to deal with their messiness. We don't want to deal with their stuff. We want to keep our children out of there because we don't want our children to, 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 to maybe have some of their stuff rough up on us. So the best way to do is just walk around it and not confront it, just like the Jews with Samaria. They'd just walk around it. And I just ask you, friends, how many, how, how many people out there, how many people out there in need of Jesus Christ have we just kind of chosen to walk around because we didn't want to deal with their stuff. Now, there's some, you know, we'd love, we'd invite them into their homes. Now, you know, it'd be very easy to invite a Nicodemus into your home. It'd be a lot different to invite this woman into your home. But for Jesus, there's there's no difference to him. Peoples are people. And Jesus saw people, you know, either you, you, you're part of my kingdom or you're not a part of my kingdom. You're either lost or you're saved. You're either my sheep or, or you're not one of my sheep. And I think that's something that should really grab our souls. Because, folks, even in Baker County, Florida, there's the fields of the Nicodemuses. Also, there's the fields of the women of, women of Samaria. And the Bible says they're already ripe. They're already wide in the harvest. But then as we we continue on, I I love this. My young theologians, I want you to really listen to this. Verse 10, And Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me a drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given it to thee. The woman said unto him, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence thou hast 
thou hast thou lived, or, or, or where then do you have this living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof of himself and, and his children as cattle? And Jesus answered to him and said, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give of him shall be in, in a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, we can go a hole in an idea of, of what this is, but the, the main thing that I bring out of this in, in the witness of Jesus Christ, that Jesus uses talk or speech or metaphors that people understand. He puts it on the shelf that they can reach. He didn't use any sophisticated words, although he could have. He could have told her about salvation in a way that, that, that she had had a, had a theological dictionary to figure it out. But he used a metaphor that she could understand. She came to the well to get something to drink, and Jesus says, I've got something to drink that's going to be better than what you can get out of that well. That's pretty simple stuff. He used a metaphor for Nicodemus, this, this great thinker about being born again. That Nicodemus could under, understand being born. And, you know, how can I be born? Do I need to crawl back into my mother's womb? No, no. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit. He used something that he could connect the gospel to. And, and he, he used different metaphors with the different people that he was speaking with. When Nicodemus, he used being born again. And then later he, he used the idea of, of Moses raising the serpent because Nicodemus understood the serpent. He didn't use that with her because she didn't know anything about the old story of, 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 of Moses raising the, the brazen serpent. With others, after he fed the 5,000, do you remember how he described himself then? When they came to want him to make him the king because he had fed him? You know what he, he used then, the metaphor? I am the bread of life. He who eats of me will never hunger. There was another time at, at one of the feasts, the Feast of the Lights, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. See, he, he was using figures of speech that, that his audience could understand. He didn't have one set way that he spoke to people about their need of salvation. He found out where they were, what, where they lived, the ideas, and then he used basic common ideas to then translate that into the gospel. Because, folks, we accomplish nothing if we speak in our own language and people don't understand. We have to put it into a language that people can grasp it. That's why Jesus used parables so many times. He used basic little stories to tell very important truths. And so, wow, I don't need to have some type of just pure set presentation when I'm, that I speak to everybody about because everyone doesn't come from the same place. And I need to be able to adapt my presentation to where that person can understand. And Jesus was the master of that. Yet it, it allows, it forces us to stop and to think. But folks, what it does is to let that person know you care about me. 
You're speaking in a vernacular. You're speaking in a way that I can understand. And that's what Jesus did to this woman. That's what Jesus did to Nicodemus. That's what Jesus did to the crowd when they followed him after he had fed them. Where he, he, he used that, that same image. They wanted to make him king because he could give them physical bread. But he says, no, I'm the king because I can give you spiritual bread. He used those metaphors according to the people. And I, I like this too. Let's look in this, this, this next passage, and we're, we're closing this out. In 16 through 24, it says, Jesus said to her, go, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, of whom thou now hast is not a husband. And that thou saidest thou truly, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You know what I see in this passage? Jesus addressed her issues, but it was not in a judgmental spirit. It would have been very easy for this Jesus to look down on this woman and kind of bow himself up and, and begin to address her living with that man or being divorced so many times. And people, folks, people can sense that in a hurry if you're dealing with them in a judgmental spirit. You know, that, that you have something to give them to straighten their lives out. Jesus addressed her issues, but it was not in a judgmental spirit. He was just dealing with some things matter-of-factly, and, and she received that. You remember when, I think it was Mary, that, that, that when she was in Simon's house, and or they were in Simon's house, and Jesus was sitting out, and and, um, and, and she came in and, and, and bursted the, the box and began to anoint his feet. And, and Simon's sitting over there and says, does he really know who that, what, what, what type of man or woman that is? Je- Simon had a very judgmental spirit, but Jesus had no judgmental. Jesus knew where she came from. But Jesus was not judgmental to her at all. You remember the woman in, in John the 8th chapter that had been called in adultery? And everybody's wanting to, to stone her. Jesus knew that she'd been called in adultery. He knew there was a lesson to be taught to the people that's wanting to stone her. But, but still, here's a woman that's been caught in ad- adultery. And, and, and um, that she's going to have to address some, some, some spiritual judgment for that one. But he, he didn't judge her. He, you know, he says, you know, where are the people that accuse you? He says, they're, there's, they're not here. She says, he says, neither, neither do I. He says, just... This is what you need. You need to just go sin no more. You know, I think Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit can do a better job. Folks, we don't, sit, we don't need to sit and beat people down because they're sin. We just don't need to love on them. And we need to tell them about, about the risen Savior and then and, and talk to them about the cross and then trust the Holy Spirit to do the conviction. You and me are not the Holy Spirit out there. You and me are not the judge out there. And at this particular time, Jesus was not even acting as the judge. 
And because of that, he was able to reach into her life. He was able to reveal these things to her. And obviously, it began to change her life. And she began to see him as he were. And you know the next thing that he did? Jesus always points people to himself. Because she says, sir, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. And, you know, as Jews, we I mean as Samaritans, we worship uh, worship God in this mountain. Jews worship him, you know, in Jerusalem. Jesus says, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a time that, you know, that you're only, people's not going to worship us in either these mountains. They'll worship us in spirit and truth. And she says, you know, that I believe there's a Messiah coming. And he, she said, he says, that's me. You know why Jesus knows that? Because, folks, he's the only way of salvation. And we've got to get the people to Jesus Christ. And that's why when he mentioned the Nicodemus, you know, as, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I mean, G- Jesus took, took Nicodemus to himself. Now, he's taken this woman to himself. And what you and me must do is we must get people to Jesus and let them know that Jesus is the way. We don't need to pick out and and to be the judges of all their sins. We get them to Jesus and we get them to the cross and he'll do just the fine with the rest of it. It's he that cleanses lives. He's him that, 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 that will bring redemption. And what's so exciting, this woman, the Bible says, left her pot. I mean, she came there with a pot to get water, and man, she left that, and she headed to, to tell the people. She left that pot there, and she said, I've got something more important about this, than, this old, than this old drinking water. I've got the living water now. And I, he, she went to tell the townspeople about this Jesus that told her everything that was about herself. And they wanted to hear the good news, too. And so I think in closing, isn't it good how Jesus takes the down and out and he then makes them mighty warriors for him? I think about something Brother Ray McKendrick told me years ago. He said, Johnny, it seems like those people that fought the devil the hardest that when Jesus saves them, or, or fought Jesus the hardest that when Jesus saves them, they fight, they fight the devil even harder. I mean, they are just, they just, they are just, they're warriors for Christ. And so I close this out today, dear friends, to, to let you know and to remind you that Jesus says the fields are already wide in the harvest. Yes, there's, the Nicodemuses of the world need Jesus Christ, but the women of Samaria of the world need Jesus Christ too. And Jesus Christ was not a respecter of person. He went into every field, and he was not ashamed because they need Jesus too. And I want to close the day, on, on, and, and I want to challenge. First of all, you might, when, when we read the story of the woman of Nicodemus, I mean, uh, uh, the woman of the well, you may think that's me. You may be like, like the world's thrown you away, or, hey, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And Jesus wants to give you that, that living water that once you drink of that, you'll never thirst again. And that's speaking of that spiritual water that will change your soul. Jesus loves you right where you are, and that's how you need to come to Jesus, right where you are. Let him do the changing in your life. Would you come to Jesus today? It doesn't matter what other people think. Jesus loves you, and I ask you to come to Jesus. But also, church, I, I, I call you out today. I call me out. 
There's a lot of people in the fields of Samaria that we don't need to walk around. We just need to take the, allow the leadership of the Holy Spirit to send us where we need to go and trust Him to do the work. He says, the fields are already wide in the harvest. Man, God is already doing the work. Let's just go out and be faithful to Him. Would you bow your head as they're praying? Our, our music team comes up, and Father, we praise you, Lord. And God, I want to thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you give us such an example that God, that there's, a, there's, there's people such as your Nicodemuses, there's people such as the, the woman at, uh, at the well, dear Father, that all, all they need is Jesus. And Jesus, that's what I pray today, that you just show up. And God, that today that, that we might see you, and God, that we can feel your love. And Lord, you just begin to change lives and do the work that needs to be done. And God, start right here. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that your presence would be here, that you would direct our paths. And God, bless this moment in Christ's name. Amen. Just a moment as we stand and sing, I'm going to ask, has the Holy Spirit spoken to you today? Maybe he's spoken to you today of your, your need of a Savior. And, and Because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man can come to the Father but through me. He says, there's going to be a day that, 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 that people worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Unless, unless your life is changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be saved. But maybe right now that Holy Spirit is calling you. He's wooing you and he's speaking to you to come unto me. Would you come to Jesus today? Let us take the Bible and, and, and show you the words of life to drink of that water. I invite you to Jesus today. Or maybe, maybe today, Christian, you're speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and, and you realize, you know what, there's some folks I've been kind of walking around. Kind of some folks that I've, 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 I've had a judgmental spirit about. Or some, you know, some folks that, man, I just, I didn't want to get involved with their mess. Would you today say, Lord, just, just, just use me, just lead me as you would? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you?